Good morning. Good to see all of you. I want you to get your Bible turned to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let's talk about what it means to be out, down, and behind. Out, down, and behind. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. How many of you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer? How could it not be with all of the signs that we have right now? Isn't it, um, it is biblical to be living in the days we're living in. I don't know if any other generation ever saw uh, as much as we are seeing um, historically, spiritually, historically, if that makes sense. Like there were other generations that saw some amazing things, but when it comes down to the end of time, we are the ones that are actually experiencing, uh, whether we recognize or not, the, uh, the, the things that are happening on this planet with uh, earthquakes and, uh, and, and tsunamis and hurricanes. And they're telling us now that the hurricanes that, that we're experiencing now, as bad as they are, that within 50 years they'll be a lot worse than what they are if we're still here. Uh, that that is a possibility, and I just think that we're that that is it'd be very very difficult for an individual who knows the word at all has studied in times at all to believe anything other than this must be uh, the final chapters in the book. God is wrapping things up, and I think that in light of that, the church needs to be stronger than it's ever been, and people need to be more aware than they've ever been. And we cannot afford, uh, I quoted him last week too, Keith Green, but we cannot afford as a church to be asleep in the light. We can't afford to be asleep in the light. Uh, We are in the light. We're living in the light. And yet uh, far too many people uh, who are believers, for whatever reasons, reasons that we're about to discuss, have become uh, less disinterested in the spiritual things than perhaps they've ever been. And the reasons for that are what we're going to talk about today. I've been thinking a lot about that recently, about how the culture of the church, not our church, but the church as a whole, the culture of the church is changing. And, and you know, um, kind of the frog in the kettle thing, if you've been in church a long time, you've just kind of watched things evolve into what they are and thought much about it. But for someone like me who this is, this is, Basically, this is my calling. This is my purpose for being on the planet. I've been so closely associated with the church all my life that I can remember. I have seen the church as a whole and its culture change several times. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this uh, this week. I was thinking about how when I was a little boy. Uh, now, now, you know, just so you know, that's a long time ago. But over 40 years ago, some of you were, in the, were a part of the church a lot longer than that. But for me, I can remember the church back, um, you know, I can remember 40, 45 years ago what the church was like. And it was far different then than it is now. Seems like there were, there were so few um, things that competed with the church. Uh, you know, our poor youth pastor is struggling now with, with, the, with the fact, and it's not, it's not parents' or kids' fault, that uh, schools now don't even give them Wednesday nights uh, we used to at least have Wednesday nights free of games that we could do church activities, and now it's just it's it's infringing on the busyness of life. It's infringing on Wednesday nights and Sundays. Uh, there's not, it seems like there's 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 no room for church anymore, and 
I know that everything changes. Every organism changes. Nothing stays the same forever. Uh, but, but, but as I said, there were so many uh, less forms, I guess, of entertainment. And there was a different view of time even 40 years ago in the church. We viewed things differently, probably similarly to what we see now in other countries uh, that I'm not trying to be unkind, but there are, when we visit other countries, there many times we'll say in our discussions, wow, you know, this is like it was back home 50 years ago. Or somebody will say, I think this is what we read about, like what it was like in the U.S. 100 years ago. You know, and so when we go to these other countries, we look at, we look at the, still the culture in many cases of the church and the importance that is given to it. And we don't find that anymore uh, in, in the church in the United States for some reason. Uh, even rurally, uh, it's, it's not as, as much as it used to be. There are still churches that have uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night services. But I'm going to tell you something, they're far and few between to find them anymore. And it's not because God wouldn't meet with us, because if we had time to meet with God seven days a week, he'd show up. He would honor that. God loves it any time we get together. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just remember when I was a little kid, this isn't just going to be a, my story of, of, of my growing up, so don't worry about that. But uh, I remember as a little kid how that those revivals sometimes would would last for weeks. I'm not just talking about a few nights, but revivals. Do anybody remember that? Where revivals would last for weeks, and and um, you'd just go to church. You'd you'd come home from school, eat dinner, head to church, and you'd and then when you got home at night, you got home at night. And how many times do I remember my mom and dad uh, when I was a little kid leaning over the bed and praying this prayer? I've heard them pray the prayer. God, you know that they're not going to get eight hours of sleep tonight because there's not eight hours between now and when they got to get up. But we are praying that since we have honored you and honored our time and honored your word, we are praying that you will give these children the necessary rest that they need so that they can do well in school tomorrow. I had that prayer prayed over me most of my life because we were, you know, like I said, as a pastor kid especially, uh, I would have missed, missed out on so many things had they not taken that attitude. And uh, I, I can remember so many nights, even after those revival services, which, by the way, those re- revival services weren't for an hour. They started at 7, and they got out whenever. And I can remember lots of nights uh, sitting around the table uh, because we lived in a parsonage. and we, In one particular church where we were, it was in Batavia. And so we would had to go to Harrison if we were going to go anywhere. So right, It was late. So rather than go to Harrison, Mom would just bake pies, and, and we would have... Uh, Parsons is right next to the church. And so the evangelists and the missionaries, man, they would come over to our house. I'm reading y'all some of these mail. Some of you have lived the same way I lived. And, and I would sit around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night eating apple pie, listening to missionaries and evangelists tell the stories of how God was moving powerfully, miraculously all over the world. And so thankful today that they didn't put me in bed and I missed all that. Now, I'm not against putting children to bed and letting them get a lot of sleep. I think you should do that if you can at all. I do, I do think that there's such a focus on it now that it's, that it's almost weird. I mean, it, it's, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, you say, well, Pastor, you're weird. You don't know. And you might be right because um, I, I'm one of those kids, but I know I'm anomaly. Uh, but as a kid, we didn't get to bed until 9 or 10 o'clock every night, 11 o'clock. It's just the way it was. And, and still yet, we were able to grow up to the degree of normalcy that I have. And, uh, 
and educated and, and made good grades and all of those kinds of things. So God was able to honor those prayers. But and I'm not advocating that you should start keeping your kids up all night for nothing. But I am saying that things have happened. They're, they're different. But the reason for that wasn't just because my mom and dad were letting me sit around and watch TV. The reason for that is because I was, in, I was experiencing the power of God until 8, 39, 10 o'clock at night, and then sitting with missionaries and listening to tell about the miracles that were happening in Africa or, or Ethiopia or wherever that might be. So again, understand the context of what I'm trying to say about this. But even 20 years ago, uh, the, the, the culture of the church was different than, than it is now. Uh, if you were around here 20 years ago, you remember we still had Sunday night services, we had Wednesday night services, and, and we had lots of special services, and we had revivals. We had revivals sometimes that went for weeks. We had, um, as long as the Lord was moving, we, we would allow them to go. And then it seemed like that due to time constraints for most of us, we began to back those things down. Revival started being Sunday through Wednesday, or they started being Wednesday through Sunday, if you remember that. And then, and then uh, after a while, it just we'll, we'll just have revival all day Sunday. Uh, so we'd, whatever that was, so we'd have church twice on Sunday, and then it got to where uh, pretty much non-existent, and it wasn't because God wouldn't move, but it was because if he did move, there wouldn't have been anybody in the building to know it. Does that make sense? Because people started saying, look, you know, we're, we're, we, can't, we can't do this. We can't be out. We can't be, we can't be coming to church and all these kinds of things. So I think that busyness has turned, I will use the term church going, into an activity that people now participate in only when there's nothing better to do. And, and you say, well, that offends me because I'm sitting in the room. And I want to be very careful because I do know you're sitting in the room. And I'll tell you what used to drive me nuts is here. I go to churches, hear pastors that would get up and whip the people that were there. You know, they'd get up and say, I tell you what, these folks that, that don't come to church, they, you know, la, 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 la. And then they come late. La, la, and, and I'd be the one that was like, man, I was here early. And I, and I was here every single time, and I'm getting beat up, and I'm the one here. You know, it's like, it's like going in, and if you have a kid that's supposed to be home at, at 11 o'clock at night, and they don't show up till 2, at 12, you go in, get the other kids up, and spank them. You know? It's like, why, 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 why am I getting the whipping? And so, you know, I want you to understand something about this word this morning. This is not... Uh, intended to be negative toward any of you, I hope that I'm able to clearly communicate something to you today, and that is that there are a lot of people who are not in this room right now. And this message is not to berate them or be angry with them. This message is instead my hope to encourage you to recognize why it is that people don't go to church anymore. And for you then to be encouraged and excited enough to go out and lovingly reach back out to those people. It's not so that they'll find out, man, you know, I don't want you to go and say, man, the pastor gave you a whipping on Sunday, and you didn't even hear it because you weren't there. You know, we got your whipping, and that is, not, that is exactly not what is going on with this. I want you to understand, to the best of my knowledge, what is going on with church culture today and why that I feel that, and not just my feelings, because my feelings don't matter, nor does my opinion, but why does Scripture point out why that where we are headed is not a good thing in the church world if things don't turn around? And so uh, I, th- there's a modern mentality about about life today that makes, uh, makes it almost impossible for churches 
to be able to depend on people to run ministries or to fund those ministries or to even attend those ministries. And I think that, that, that our culture is beginning to view church the same way they view everything else. And, and again, I'm not trying to be unkind, but it, it, you get the, you get this, you'll, you'll see this picture that people view attending church <clears throat> almost as a, boy, there's nothing better to do on Sunday, so I think maybe I'll go. Uh, and, and another thing that, we, that we're starting to see, and I, I, again, hear me out on this, not, not that I'm being negative, but just, but it's the mentality of people this generation that they want to go to the best church show in town. They don't want to commit to that show, and they don't want to give anything to that show. And if anybody calls them on that, they will simply leave that show and go to another one. So if I were to stand up here today and say, you know what, folks, uh, we are, we are going to be unable to do some of the things we do because we don't have the workers nor do we have the finances to carry those out, then a lot of people here wouldn't see that as, oh, wow, we need to get involved. They would see that, oh, okay, well, next week I'm going to Cross Church. And that's the mentality that we've created with, um, and again, don't think I'm beating on you, just listen, just listen to me, but it's that mentality of, of there is no loyalty anymore. It's, it is, um, I'm going to go wherever the gas is cheaper, I'm going to go wherever the groceries are cheaper, I'm going to go wherever the show most entertains me, and if anybody has a problem with me not showing up or me not doing anything, I'll find another place that I can go sit where I don't have to do anything or give anything. And that, that is the problem that I'm discussing here. Again, you're here. I'm not saying, I'm not calling, calling you that. I'm saying that is a prevalent mentality in our culture. And it's happening within the church. And here's the thing about it. It's not that this is anything new. Uh, even though I said things were different 40 years ago and 20 years ago, apparently they're not all that different from what the church was 2,000 years ago when this passage of Scripture was written, and that's what we want to talk about. They were having a problem with this back then. Back then, people went to the synagogue, and then Christians began to follow Christ, and they started having uh, churches in each other's homes. They started meeting in houses, and then, the, and then those churches began to develop. In some cases, they got quite large, and they had to move into different facilities. But at some point, our author says, wow, uh, where did everybody go? You know, he looked around, he said, we had church on Sunday, where was everybody? And he says, hey, man, I need to get everybody's attention. I'm going to write a letter and say, hey, don't stop this church going thing. There's a reason why that is important. Fail not the assembling of yourselves together. Some of y'all, he said, are getting into the habit of not going to church because you're finding other things that you think are more uh, necessary and more fun or perhaps more important in your, in your opinion to do. And he said, I, I, this is 2,000 years ago. We got we to gotta shake the church and remind them of why the church exists and what the church needs to be doing. So, so my question is, why don't people commit the way that they used to? Isn't the word of God just as relevant now as it ever was? And, and, and according to the word, it says that we are not just at church to show up. Um, messages like these are not about trying to just get people, getting, tr- trying to get more people in a seat and getting more money out of them. That's not what it's about. But the whole purpose of the church is discipleship. The, the reason that the church exists 
is so that we would reach out to people, bring them in, they find Christ, then we start doing life together, and as we minister to them, they grow in their faith until they become mature and they're able to do the same. It's why, it's, it's why the church is different than a, than a business. A business can be successful if they can get a location where they're visible, if they can get enough promotion where people can see them, if they can throw out enough of a net that says, here's why it's going to be beneficial for you to come, if they can give them uh, some kind of a cheaper deal, something will cause people to say, I'm going to go there. Church isn't like that. We can't, we can't promote a church with a sign in the yard that says, this Sunday, uh, uh, 90% discount in tithing. You know, come this Sunday and we're only going to ask for 1% instead of 10. You know, we, we, you can't do that. It's not, this is not our word to change. And so the church operates differently. It is nice to have a nice facility and to have it where that people can see it. But people don't come to church because of signs in the yard. They don't come to church because of promotional ads. People, you know why people go to church? They go to church for the same reason that they always have and for the same reason that Jesus did it the way he did it. People come to church because other people care enough about them to bring them with them. So we could have the greatest pancake breakfast in all of Northwest Arkansas. We could say, we're giving our pancakes away. They're going to be this tall. We could put a sign out in the front yard, and then we could go in here, and we could, we could make pancakes. We could have millions of pancakes sitting over there and a sign out front. We could have people out in the parking lot. But if we didn't go and personally invite somebody to a pancake breakfast, we'd just have a lot of pancakes sitting around. This is the nature of the church. You say, well, I don't really agree with that. I think if we do more promotion... I'm going to tell you something. How are you going to promote church? We have the best. We are the best. We're church. We're family. How do you promote that? How are you going to get out and sell that? The only way that this works is the way that Jesus did it. Jesus said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to round up these 12. And I'm going to invest my life in them. I am going to teach them everything I know. I'm going to let them go with me where I go. I'm going to give them advice. I'm going to counsel them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to teach them how to pray. And at some point, these 12 people are going to get strong enough that they're going to reach out and we're going to have hundreds of people that we are ministering to. It's the same thing with the church world today. We can't bank on signs and, and gimmicks to build the kingdom of God. The only thing that builds the kingdom of God is people who go out and minister to other people and bring them with them so that they can be discipled. And it's not just enough. But the true New Testament church is not just telling their neighbor about church. They're discipling them, which is an altogether different thing. The church is not about getting numbers in, in the building or offerings in the bag. The church is about discipling new converts. And the church will grow as a result of that. And so the reason why that, that the forsaking is so important of assembling is that when people don't see it as a necessity to attend church, they have said that other things are more important than the discipleship that takes place in their life in the corporate body of worship. Paul used a specific word here when he talked about it. He said forsaking in one, in one translation. God's word that I used didn't put it that way, but some of you using the King James, you'll see the word forsaking. And that's where I got the title. The word forsaking actually means out, 
down and behind. That's what Paul was saying. He said, forsaking means uh, out, down, or behind. He's painting a picture of a person who has, for some reason, gotten themselves outside the circle, down, discouraged, depressed, and behind everyone else in their spiritual life. And rather than making a decision to get themselves back to a place where they'll be healthy and strong, they tend to get further and further away from it. I'm not calling us dumb, but the scripture says we're sheep, and sheep aren't that intelligent. And when sheep get off track, the only thing that brings them back to the rest of the sheep is either the shepherd or some other sheep. This is why the church is so important. So I, I, I want to list a couple of reasons why, why people are choosing uh, indirectly most times, but why people are making a choice to be out, down, and behind. The word out represents the word discouragement. William Ward said this years ago. I thought, so I, I, I got to read this too. It was a very interesting way to describe discouragement because a lot we all get discouraged, don't we? I mean, we all get discouraged from time to time. But this is really a, 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 a cutting way to illustrate discouragement. He said this. Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, okay? Distaste for the present and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. Wow. That's what you say to the person that's discouraged? That doesn't seem to help him a lot. It's like, wow, I'm down and you just kick me some more. And this is his way of saying that the reason that we get so discouraged and the reason that we get so down is because we aren't keeping our mind right concerning the things of God. For the person who keeps their mind right concerning the things of God, they don't get discouraged like this and down and depressed very often. There are life circumstances that may happen that throw us for a little while, but these people that we're talking about, they get back up. They figure out how to get back up. Life is going to have to keep moving, and as long as we're here, there's a calling on our individual life. There's something for us to do. If you get discouraged, you're not going to do what you're here to do. You're going to become so self-absorbed. You say, man, that's rough. I'm just telling you the truth. You become so self-absorbed that you forget to give God the glory for the fact that you're still here today. While someone else is getting up and saying, thank you, Lord, this is going to be the best day of my life. Thank you for breath. Thank you for food. Thank you for life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the provisions. You've got. You get up and say, man, this day is going to stink as bad as every day in the past. And God's saying, wait a minute. I'm giving you the same air I'm giving that guy. You have a job just like he does. You have family just like he does. You are choosing to stay in a spot. Why? So my question to the church is this. Have, 
Have you or someone you know become discouraged or disillusioned or disappointed by life or the church or, or even maybe you're blaming God for something that's caused you to become discouraged? My, my encouragement to you today is if you know someone who is discouraged, don't kick them. Don't threaten them. Don't tell them they're going to go to hell. Encourage them. Paul says, let us encourage one another. I see the forsaking. I see that they're dropping. I see that they're not where they're supposed to be. Let's not keep kicking them. Let's go get them and love them and encourage them and bring them back. It's quiet. I guess I'll keep going. The second reason is distractions. People get distracted. This is a busy life that we're trying to live. I love the story about, some of y'all remember way back Yogi Berra, who was a catcher, and Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, he was a home run hitting machine. He played for the Milwaukee Braves at that time. And uh, the two teams were playing each other in the World Series. And rumor has it that Yogi Berra, who was a catcher, was constantly, incessantly chatting he was either always talking to the infielders and encouraging them, or else he was always talking trash to whoever was up at bat. It was his way of trying to keep them from being able to hit the ball. And so uh, Hank Aaron comes to the plate, and Yogi Berra starts in on him, and he says, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. Henry, you're supposed to hold it so you can read the trademark, on and on. Henry didn't say anything. But when the next pitch came in, he hit it into the left field bleachers. And he rounded the bases, and as he came and stepped on home plate, he looks at Yogi Berra and he said, I didn't come up here to read. There's a lot of people that get distracted and they don't do the things that they stepped up to plate to do. It's still their turn at bat. They still got to go to the plate. But because they're so distracted by other things, pitches are just going by them. And they're not, they're not paying attention to the reason why they are there. This is, so, this is what happens with us in the church world. If you're not careful, life will do the same to you that does to everybody else. People get sick. Sometimes people die. Jobs take turns for the worse. Promotions causes moves. Kids get in trouble. All kinds of things happen, and if you're not careful, you will allow the distractions of life to pollute your focus and priorities. Did you hear that? If you become distracted or diverted or detoured, then you're going to end up in a much worse place. I would say to those of us who are here and those of us who are listening, if you know someone who has become polluted in their focus and priorities, don't kick them. Encourage them to come back home. Go get them and say, look, you're distracted. you got too much going on. It's insane how many things that the devil will use to distract people in this generation. It's just a matter of time till they'll be having three-year-old t-ball games on Sunday morning at 10. It's insanity. And people will skip church to do it because they'll want their three-year-old to play in the major league someday. 
It's insanity, folks. And the third reason why, he said, is disobedience. It's the first two, life happens. The third one, you just decide you don't care. It's like the story I heard of the little boy that he all, his mama would look out and try to find him when he was playing in the yard and he would always disappear and she would find him over in the neighbor's yard playing and she'd say, that's not our yard. Don't be over there. It's, it's what's called trespassing. Stay in our yard. Why are you constantly always over there messing around in their backyard? And he said, well, mom, it's because the devil tempts me so bad. And I don't know what to do. And so she said, well, if that's the case, then here's what you need to do. The next time he tempts you, you just tell him what is in the Bible. Say, get behind me, Satan. So a week or two went by. She looked for him one day and he was gone. By this time, she'd even put up a fence around her property to keep him in her own yard. But he's not there. So she goes out in the yard, she's wandering around and notices a fence, a hole in the fence that has been recently made by someone. And she looks through the hole and lo and behold, a little boy has crawled through and he's on the other side playing in the neighbor's backyard. And she yells at him, you come back over here. And he comes back home and she said, what are you doing? Thought I told you to stay in your own yard. I thought I told you that if the devil tempts you that you say, get behind me, Satan. And he said, well, that's what happened. And he said, I was tempted. And I said, get behind me, Satan. And Satan went behind me and pushed me through the hole in his fence. A lot of times, our reasons for disobedience are just about as foolish. Instead of owning up to, I made the decision, because when it all boils down to, I wanted to. We will say, mm, well, you know, the devil did this to us. The devil did that. The devil's always doing something. That's his job. Our job is to be obedient to the call of our Father. Our job is to keep our mind on what he's told us to do. It's easy to get preoccupied and busy and too spread out. And you get that way until something has to give. And most times when, when you get so busy that something has to give, guess who suffers? The church and then your family. Hmm. The problem with not being faithful to the place of discipleship is that many times your family, your marriage, your finances, your priorities and your personal calling will suffer because you will put those things aside by not keeping your priorities on Christ. Well, pastor, just because I'm not at church doesn't mean I'm not still serving the Lord. No, I understand that. You, I understand that perfectly. I know there's times that you just, there's times we just flat can't be at church. We can't be, there's things that happen. But a lot of times we aren't there because we could be and we're just making up excuses why we shouldn't have to be. Here's a couple of reasons why we need to be in his house. Because these are, these are, these are things that God has ordered. He says we need to be in his house. And the reason is because he knew that we needed the fellowship. 
We need the fellowship. That means that the church needs you as much as you need the church. And that you're a part of the body of Christ, and when you're not here, that functioning part of the body is not functioning. Whatever it is you are, if you're a foot, then we're hopping on one leg at Sunday. So you say, well, nobody misses me when I'm gone. That's not true. We really do. He knew we needed the fellowship. He also knew we needed the word. You say, well, pastor, I can read the Bible for myself. I know you can. I know you can. So can I. And I do. And you do too, probably. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something different about hearing the word anointedly expounded upon. It changes our lives. We need the experiences of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. When the Holy Ghost starts moving in these altars, it's not the same on the live stream as it is in the sanctuary. This is not a kick to folks on the live stream, but I'm going to tell you something. You know why we have a live stream? It is for people who physically can't be here due to illness or other reasons, and we post the messages so that people can watch him. Ken Northrup is, is now in another country. He's joining us via the live stream. It's a way he's connecting to this family and to his own family. His, his family will be in church, and he'll be on the live stream. He's able to discuss with his wife what happened in church that day. He stays right in, he stays right in step with us. But it is not for the individuals who just got up and said, I don't feel like, I don't feel like taking a shower this morning. I don't feel like getting the kids out. Let's just lay in bed and watch a live stream. And I want you to know something. You can do that. It'll work for you. But I'll guarantee you, you're not going to experience the same thing laying in that bed as what these people are feeling when the power of God is moving in the front of this building. If you can get here, get here. You don't want to miss the life change and the miracles that are taking place. And the other reason why he knew we needed this is because he knew we need the opportunity to use our spiritual gifts. How much do you use your spiritual gifts when you're either not at church at all or you're sitting by yourself in front of a television? What are you doing with your spiritual gifts? How are you benefiting the body of Christ if you're just watching TV, how is it that you're benefiting other people? We need you, you need us. There's a, there is a wonderful relationship that is found in the church that can't be found anywhere other than the church. You can go, you could go to Moses or Joseph or Jonah at Branson, all you want to go. But don't come back here and try to tell me that the Holy Ghost moved there like he does here in these altars. Because I've been to those shows and they're great. There's something that happens in the church that doesn't happen in a Branson theater. It doesn't happen on a baseball diamond. It doesn't happen on a boat on the lake while you're fishing and speaking in tongues. It doesn't happen. There's nowhere that you could possibly be that as is, is as important as being in his house, especially since we've been, due to culture, relegated now down to basically 
one day a week. I mean, we've got other services. Come on Monday night. Come on Thursday night. Come on Wednesday night. But what's happening right here with the whole body doesn't happen Sunday night, Wednesday night, revivals. Now it happens on Sunday morning. And if you miss that, say, I hadn't missed much. It doesn't even bother me when I'm not here. And if that is the case, then there's a real issue going on there. If you can miss and it doesn't bother you anymore, then these things have happened in your life that we're talking about. This is going to matter eternally when those places won't. God knows that we need the church. I'm going to conclude to just tell you a real quick story. Again, I hope you don't think I'm being mean to you. You're the ones that are here. I'm sharing this with you so that you can help me. Help me because we're thinking, we're looking. We're looking around a room right now. There's a lot of people here. But there's a whole lot of people that aren't here. There's a whole lot of people that could be here, should be here, used to be here, that are nowhere right now. They're just not here. Some, one of those D's or more than one of them are happening in their lives. And we're not going to get them back by putting another sign in the yard or by getting a bigger belt and going and tracking them down and beating them with it. We're going to get them home when we put our arms around them. It can't just be me. I can't figure out where a thousand people are. It's going to have to be you who says, man, I used to see so-and-so and I haven't seen them in a while. I'm going to encourage them this week. I'm calling them. I'm writing them a card. I'm sending them a note. I'm going to email them. I'm going to text them when I get out of here. I'm going to figure out how to find them on Facebook. I'm going to get a hold of these folks this week and let them know man we've been missing you around here are you okay can we pray for you what can we do for you when are you going to be back at church that's what I hope this message is doing and to illustrate this the necessity of this two weeks ago Deb and I began to receive text messages from a family that we used to go to church with 30 years ago in Waxahachie Texas They had a member of their family who was deathly ill in the hospital and had even coded blue. And they immediately get on the phone, start texting me saying, Darren, Deb, pray. Uh, We looks like we're losing her. Pray, pray, pray. And back and forth, man, we're conversing, we're praying. How's she doing? What's going on? What's happening now? What's happening now? Back and forth like this for several days until eventually the girl recovered and she was able to go back home and we all rejoiced. Why was it that this family was able to feel like that they could call us and text us 30 years since we went to church together? Because during the time we went to church together, which by the way was only for about a year, only about a year, during that time, I was their youth pastor of their children. The, 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 the parents that were texting me were older than Deb and I and had taken us in as their own kids while we were youth pastoring theirs. When Heather was born, as soon as Deb was able to go back to work, this is the lady, her name was Teresa Stevenson, and little Heather went over to, to Teresa's house every day while Deb and I went to school and work. I was in Bible college, Deb was in college. We're both working. Every morning we would take little Heather over to Teresa's and prop her up there, 
She'd spend the day with the Stevensons and she loved it there and they loved her and she was a part of their family. We went to church together. We prayed together. We had some funny stories to tell about ministry that we did there. Y'all ever remember the story I told about how that our pastor preached on love one morning and fist fight broke out in the parking lot after church and and uh, it was a I mean, it was a free-for-all, and I was out there trying to separate and pull people apart. And One of them was telling me, back up, Darren, I love you, but I'll hit you too. You know, that, I mean, it was just, you know, I love you, but I'll, hit, I'll have to hit you too, you know. So, I mean, it was just, well, when that all happened, her, Teresa's husband, Mike, was one of the only people brave enough to be with me in the parking lot trying to split that up. In fact, he grabbed the kid that was getting killed and threw him in a car and drove away so he wouldn't kill him. And so there's a lot of stories that we, that we, have and things that we share and a lot of fun things and all of it happened within about a year's time I mean we lived a life together in a year and in 30 years time we have seen them five or six times when Bradley went to to Southwestern down in Waxahachie we were down and back and forth a couple of times down visiting him and we would get with him every once in a while and see him but I'm telling you in 30 years period of time we've only seen them five or six times maybe in 30 years yet when they had an emergency they thought of us because we're family there's a bond there it's a bond unlike the bond that you have with folks that are in the next space out at the lake renting a a a campsite it's not the same There's a bond that is formed among members of the body of Christ. If that doesn't exist, then there's a problem. One of the reasons why a lot of people are not in church today is because they don't feel connected to anybody. And that's either their fault or it's ours. Most of the time, it's a little both. Because our generation, we want to just come in, get our seat, it's done. It was a nice day. I'm out of here. But the church is a, the church to build disciples takes time. We, we, can't, we can't do that. The reason that people are discouraged and distracted and disillusioned and gone is because for some reason they've left. We hadn't gone after them. And a lot of those connections are not happening because of the busyness of our lives we've reached a place where we say man I've cut out time to come to church but when it's over I gotta get man I gotta get I can't be standing around out here counseling folks I can't be down in the altar praying with people for 30 minutes I got to get I gotta get the kid we gotta have lunch you know it's it's 10.30 the kids gotta be in bed at 7.30 I mean I got to get and and in the midst of that mentality we got people who we don't know where they are today. Everyone listening here by live stream, and I hope the ones that aren't here that will hear this because you'll tell them, you got to listen to that message. I hope everybody hearing this will hear what I'm saying. We have got to be committed and faithful and involved and serving and supporting to the point of sacrificing other things if necessary because nothing is more important than the body of Christ. And I'm not the one commanding that. 
at your father. So I want you to glance around. Think of someone that isn't here that ought to be, that used to be. You know somebody who is out, somebody that's down, somebody that's behind? Call them. Pray for them. Go after them. Encourage them. But let's not be mean to them. Let's not just sit here with our arms crossed and say, well, they don't want to come to church. They can go to hell. I mean, I wasn't cussing right there. That's what you're really saying. Because I'm, you know, they can go there because I'm not going to do anything different than what I'm doing. And if we take that attitude, then they might go to hell. Man, I hope, I hope, Every time I get behind a pulpit, I hope to communicate. But I really, really hope today that I am communicating clearly. That I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I just want us to be more than just friendly. I want us to be disciple makers. And disciple makers look around when people aren't there that they've been discipling and they say, oh, this week I got to find so-and-so. Oh, this week I need to call. This week, tomorrow, today. This is why we're here. Please don't ever think that you've done your duty to Christ by sacrificing an hour and a half on a Sunday morning to sit through church. Please don't think that. Please don't think that. Think that Jesus has saved you is preparing a place for you in heaven and he's belaying his delaying his coming so that everybody can get saved and if the church sleeps on in the light if the church goes to the lake if the I'm not against vacation I'm going to go on vacation for too long I hadn't been all summer but I'm saying if the church says these other things are more important than being in his house then why would anybody see the necessity of becoming a faithful, loyal, consistent, supportive Christian? Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying for your church. Not just in this location. We're just a little bitty insignificant, minute part of your church. I'm praying for the culture of your church. We pray for revival, and then you say, when? We say, oh, God, send the Holy Ghost. You're like, when? When you got time for the Holy Ghost? Well, God, we'll carve in a few minutes on Sunday. At the end of a service, we got like 10 minutes at the end of a Sunday service that won't interfere with the rest of our lives. Come and move miraculously in that, in that period of time. Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying for the mentality of the church we are not a part of this world we're not supposed to be a part of this world we're not to think like this world or act like this world but God you've called us out from among the world and said be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing you've called us to a higher purpose I don't want us to get off track and start wallowing in the mire that is not for us. Help us, God, I pray. Our marriages would be better. Our family relationships would be better. Our finances would be better. Everything in our life would be better if we would 
commit to the fellowship, the instruction, the encouragement of the local church. I pray for those that are watching right now that can't be here. Encourage them. I pray for those that could be, that chose not to for no other reason than laziness. I pray, oh God, convict them. For those, God, that aren't here today because they just decided that something else was more important than your house, convict them. But Lord, I pray above all things because I think that by and large, a majority of those people are either discouraged or distracted. That you would encourage them. That you would use us because that's how you do it that you would bring to our mind these individuals who need a touch from you bring them to our mind and help us to reach out this week we're not angry we're not unkind we're not unsympathetic help us God to be encouragers like Barnabas let us be encouragers come alongside of our brothers and sisters and raise them back up and get them back where they need to be so that they can be healthy and strong and mature and fulfilled. I pray in Jesus' name. I ask if Neil would lead us in an altar song just before we have this prayer time. Uh, Pastor Chad is standing at the back door. I know that we are baptizing a lot of people today between this service and the next one. If you are getting baptized and you're in the sanctuary, uh, follow him out right now. Follow him out. There be prepared. We'll be preparing in here in just a minute. We'll be uh, up in the tank. So if you're being baptized, take off with him right now. And all the rest of us that are in this room, I want us to spend a few minutes digesting this word. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at God. Just get mad at the devil. He's the one that's lying to us. Think about this word. Digest it. Let it get in your spirit. Let it work on you. Say, God, if I knew to, would you soften me up? Would you make me red hot again for you? Forgive me for letting other things get in the way of what was really important. Let's find ourselves a place. Come and let's pray. God bless you. I love all of you.